Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, hello and welcome to Afternoon Ask Anything. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is where we just do this thing back and forth. Uh, whatever is discussed on the show is up to you, which really I kind of enjoy because I don't want to think of more stuff. I do three daily shot podcasts every day, one each on Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates for the DK Sports Radio Network, and I do have to think of those. So when I come here for the afternoon session, it's like, all right, nothing but a coffee and a blank slate, and let's see what everybody else has got. So on that note, we'll get started with Randy Steele asking, who will be the Steelers quarterback in 2022? Randy gets us off uh, to a challenging start. My feeling, Randy, is that it'll be Mason Rudolph. My feeling is that what you're going to see and – some of these things have already become apparent on the surface is that management and the coaching staff are going to put things into motion that set up Mason to be that. Um, that could be a certain way that he takes reps. It could be a certain understanding that's had going into uh, OTA's training camp when he can get a lot of extra reps because you know you don't want Ben doing those and Ben definitely doesn't want to do those. And then once the regular season gets going, you know, no ambiguity. You know who the you know who the backup is, you know who the three is. And from there, Mason, a lot of people don't know this, is on the last year of his contract. So there is something that the Steelers could do in terms of approaching him and saying, hey, listen, we actually want you to be around. Uh, we want you to be our quarterback. Now, not that their cap will allow for them to say, hey, here's a gazillion dollar signing bonus or anything like that. But again, the processes can be put in motion. Blair asks, the Penn's power play has been a bit better, but I'm still one who thinks that they should use two defensemen out at the point. What are your thoughts on that? Well, right now, Blair, it doesn't matter because Evgeny Malkin is out. So obviously you're going to you're gonna do that. Um. And as I say that, I'm picturing in my head here the power play from the last three games, and it's it's had a lot of Kasperi Kapanen out there instead. So I, I stand corrected uh, myself. I'm correcting myself here. Uh, they are of the opinion that they can get more by having motion uh, on the power play. That precedes Todd Reardon. Uh, that goes to whenever Phil Kessel was here and you saw the team just kind of constantly changing positions and morphing on the power play. They were really unpredictable, and it it worked out well for them while Phil was here. I'm with you, and I'm of the opinion that the more conventional, the more boring their power play is, the more effective they'll be. For every... Tic-tac-toe, tac-toe, tac-toe power play goal that they get. Uh, they also have 
pass is intercepted and easily cleared. Uh, you'd like to see them be more of a straightforward type of get it back to the point, gun it, and make sure you've got bodies at the net. But then, you know, you also have to work. You have to work with the personnel that you have at hand. And if you want superstars, you got them. You got to adjust. This one comes from WRV, who asks, why? Actually, I want to try to put it in the voice that I think he's asking this. Why does Jankowski get a regular spot for the Pens? People are hurt. That's it. There's nothing else to it. Centers are hurt, and there aren't centers to replace him. This is why every time I've brought up a criticism of Jankowski and a related criticism of Ron Hextall and or Brian Burke, I'm doing so within the context that they got to go to the outside. The answers aren't here. You know, Radim Zahorna uh, was a full participant in the main practice today and was taking regular shifts not only on the fourth line, but also on a second power play unit, according to Taylor Haas out in Cranberry. But he's not a center. You know, you, you need you need centers. Brian asks, DK, what do you think about moving up in the draft for a running back through a trade of their number one pick, an established back? Something similar to the Bettis deal, maybe an instant fix. Well, you'd have to have a target in mind. I mean, you can ask questions like this in a vacuum, and I can say, oh, absolutely not. But then, you know, if it's... Derek Henry, I say yes. If it's Saquon Barkley and he's fully healthy, yes. So it, these things are tough uh, to ask like in a general sense. Uh, my feeling as to the likeliest occurrence here is that the Steelers will use the 24th overall pick into a running back. Whoever out of Najee Harris or Travis Etienne happens to fall their way or or they'll just take one of those offensive tackles or they'll freak all of us out and take another linebacker men of pause asks why is it nelson's responsibility to seek a trade isn't that the gm's job it is although this is a fairly common practice uh in these events you're you're it's, you're doing something that's uh respectful you're saying hey you know we're not just going to get angry with you and and you know dump you off on the the jets or the jaguars or someplace where you know you don't want to be and you have no chance of winning so you talk to the agent and you say hey you guys scout around see what's available uh and then from there the steelers obviously have to come in and do the closing you know um in this type of event you have to understand that the return isn't the thing. Uh, all you're doing if you're the Steelers is you're moving a cap hit. Uh, you're not getting value for value. You're moving a cap hit with Nelson. That's the big thing here. So what they're getting back really isn't the issue and is not something that the agent would be negotiating. They're looking for a place that, that does right by the client, meaning the player. Matt asks, what's your go-to dish at Permanis? My go-to dish at Permanis is roast beef. And when you walk into Permanis, this is going to sound like they're a sponsor of ours, and they're not. 
when you walk into Permanis, and by the way, when I say Permanis, I'm talking about the the one that's a block and a half in this direction. It's the only Permanis, the original Permanis. Uh, although I also like the one in Market Square downtown. You walk in, don't ever look at the menu. Don't be that person, unless you're actually a tourist. You know, it's like walking into McDonald's and looking up at the menu and going, mm, you know, just, just don't do it. Don't do it. I walk in and I say roast beef. Now, that said, there's a special dish that if you ask Mike on the night shift that he can whip up for you, and it is out of this world. Tell Mike I sent you for the special dish. This is only at the real Permanis. And by the way, you can tell that Permanis is not a sponsor because they hate when I call it that because I've heard from them. What do you mean? We have lots of locations, and all our workers work very hard. No, I'm sorry. There's one Permanis. Jake asks, what fourth line center would you want the Penguins to pick up for bobblehead potential alone? <laughs> I didn't see where that question was going to be heading. Um, fourth line center for bobblehead potential. Uh, you're not going to get a fourth line center who has bobblehead potential. But to swing this back to an actual hockey thing, what you can do, Jake, if you're Hextall, and you're thinking ambitiously and at the same time creatively, is don't think of the Teddy Bluger line as your third line. Think of them as your fourth line, which is something that I feel that whole group is better suited for anyway, the, the way Sullivan uses them. Kind of the way the Islanders use the Casey Sezikis line. You know, they're looking for energy, boom. They're looking for somebody to check the other team's top line, boom. Whether or not they're actually New York's fourth best line hasn't mattered for years. They actually love that label. They embrace it. There have been times when they've been the Islanders' very best line for long stretches, and they still call them the fourth line. Just kind of an identity thing. Have Bluger's line become that and build yourself a third line that can score. So... If it sounds like I'm getting at that maybe they should go and get Eric Stahl from the Sabres as a rescue operation up I-90 in Buffalo, go nuts. Go get him. I don't care that he hasn't scored in more than a month for Buffalo. As a scenario like what's happening up there right now will drag everyone down. And concurrently, once you get that player out of there, you'll see all of a sudden that player start performing with some joy and having fun again. It is a game. It's supposed to be something you enjoy. Get Eric Stahl out of Buffalo and then surround him with a couple of wingers who have some touch. Maybe that's Jason Zucker, right? If not, maybe it's Jared McCann. Find a way to make that work. Make it as a third line, not as a fourth line. And Eric Stahl, by the way, I'm sure has had bobbleheads made of him anyway. So I, I managed to Put that all together here. Jeremy asks, DK, do you think there's a possibility that Steven Nelson isn't going anywhere that I thought he would be gone over the weekend? No, he's gone. I mean, you, you don't reach this point where the team tells you to go seek out a trade. Uh, that is that is as much of a done deal uh, as is possible. It's now just a matter of who executes it. And right before I got on here, Nelson put something on Twitter saying, you know, please don't hold me hostage, which sounds like he has reached, he and his agent have found something that they think is an appetizing deal that maybe the Steelers don't, or maybe he's taking a preemptive strike, whatever it is, it's Steven Nelson. It, 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 he's not that big a deal. 
Eric asks, are the Pirates pretty well set on an opening day starter or no? Wow, I wouldn't be. Are you? I mean, I'd thought for months now it was going to be Mitch Keller, meaning ever since they made all the, the trades, Musgrove, Tyon, and everything else. But he hasn't done anything to earn that. And even if you set aside the symbolism of it, do you really want him pitching your first game and setting your tone for the season the way he's pitching right now? Uh, I understand that it's just spring training, and I understand these are just spring numbers, but when you hear Keller himself, Oscar Marine, and Derek Shelton all acknowledging that his principal issue is fastball command, meaning Straight ball is not going where straight ball is supposed to go. I I don't want to start my season like that. You know, in that case, I would throw out the pageantry of it all and just say, listen, all I want to do on April 1 at Wrigley Field is beat the Cubs. I'm not worried about pumping Keller's tires. I'm not worried about, uh, you know, who's going to do the interviews the day before back on Pittsburgh TV and whatever. I, I don't care about that stuff. I want to win the game. Once you get into the season, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of development priorities and everything else, not least of which is the roster composition itself. But, but put these people on the field and they just want to win the game. Benjamin asks, what's your favorite hockey movie? Not just a documentary, but a Hollywood movie. I mean, is Miracle a reflexive answer? I thought that the, the diligence, the research, and the passion that were put into that motion picture uh, really earned my respect as someone who knows a good many of the people who were portrayed in that film, uh, including Herb Brooks. And I thought Kurt Russell, while he might not have been the dream scenario as far as how he looks compared to Herbie, that's superhero casting. You know, that's where, you know, so-and-so has to look like Superman, how we think of Superman. Everyone's got to be Christopher Reeve. Kurt Russell didn't really look like Herbie at all, and they didn't even really try to make him look like Herbie. But, man, did he capture Herbie. I mean, spirit. And that's what the movie was about more than anything else. So I'll go with Miracle. I've seen other great hockey films, and you discluded the documentary, but the documentary, and it's in Russian language only, on the, the life and career of the the great Valery Harlamov. I saw it on an Aeroflot plane flying from Moscow to Sochi for the Olympics. Our, our flight stopped in Moscow, and we changed to Aeroflot, and they showed this film. And it was in Russian language, but it had English subtitles. It was fantastic. It's it's even pre-Central Red Army hockey. Uh, but what a what a story that was. Look that up. It shouldn't be that hard to find. For anybody who's new here, 
we do this afternoon ask anything session live uh, on streaming video every day at 1.30 p.m. And very quickly after that, we whip it up into a podcast that goes out on DK Sports Radio that you can listen to on your drive home. That's what it is that we're doing here. It's Monday through Friday for anybody who just came along. Now, what the heck is this? Dave Gormley asks, it's 2026. The Pirates are really good. The Pens are marginally bad. Do Pirates pass the Pens in popularity? I have a question back for you, Dave. Is there any city in North America that does more agonizing over stuff that's going to happen in six, seven, or even 10 years than ours? We are obsessed with this stuff. I understand that this happens more with the Pirates than any other team where we watch Cabrian Hayes right now out on a field. And the first, not the last, the first thing that pops into a lot of people's minds is I'm not going to be able to enjoy him in six or seven or eight years when he's traded to the Yankees or lost to free agency or whatever. Who cares? Watch what's happening right in front of you. You know, I'm not talking to you, Dave. I'm not giving you this tone. I just mean in general. This stuff drives me nuts. Everything is about what's going to happen in five, six, seven years. You know, the same thing applies to the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. We've been fretting over the end of Ben for years now. And you know what? Ben's still here. We've been fretting over the end of the Sid and Gino window for a long time now, like pretty much since the conclusion of the cup in Nashville. Oh, no, it's the end of Sid and Gino. This was their last cup. Enjoy them while you've got them. You know, they're right there. They're still there. They're still making great plays. Enjoy them. It's, it's not the... Ah. Do the Pirates pass the pens in popularity? Uh, I'll actually answer your question, Dave. The answer is no. Uh, the Pirates have their own... In oh, boy. This is, it's easier to do writing because you can just stop and look up a word. I'm trying to think of the right word here. Yeah, here it is. They have their own innate place in our public consciousness. I've always believed this about the Pirates. What you saw, the blackout game, and what you see anytime the Pirates are good, and I'm talking, dude, like a four or five game winning streak, is the city kind of revives that part of us that understands that this is their 135th year of existence. They're more a part of our city than our library system and our symphonies, okay? <laughs> they are, they are uh, a, a franchise that's been around almost twice as long as the Steelers have, three times as long as the Penguins have. They're part of who we are. When you go around the world, yes, people talk about Steelers first. But when you talk about an individual, it's Roberto Clemente first, even ahead of Mario. They are part of who we are. I didn't answer your question. I didn't answer it on purpose. Mike Hamilton asks, where did you get that shirt? My shirt says six feet, comma, jag off. I got that right over around the corner on Penn Avenue from a strip district vendor. Uh, he does business at the corner of Penn and 20th, uh, real close to Allegheny Coffee and Tea. Um, 
he's a great, great guy. In addition to being a subscriber to DK Pittsburgh Sports, this is one of his lesser shirts. He's got way better shirts than this, and I really like this one. Alan Belomo asks, concerning the quarantine, whose athletes were the most harmed by the shortened sports seasons and the lack of minor league or college games? I'm going to go off the reservation with this answer, Alan, and point out that the real losers – of shortened sports seasons and minor league and college games were high school athletes. Um, and within that, Olympians as well, although we'll see that, you know, the IOC looks really, really determined to get the Tokyo games off the ground. But in high school, there's no going back. There's no next year. There's no, well, we'll just adjust the schedule and play in the fall or anything like that. When you lose your season in high school, you lose it. And for a lot of high school athletes, that is the end of the road. There are, with every level that you ascend, you dwindle the pack. You know, if you think about this, you can be a great, eh, a very good running back in the WPIL or better than that, uh, WPIL or City League. And you still only have this much of a chance to play at a place like Slippery Rock or Edinburgh or WNJ. So only the best of the high school guys go on to play at the next level. Otherwise, for everyone who's in high school, it's just for the it, it's just for the joy of it. And for them to have lost their seasons, whether it's basketball, hockey, they did play football. Uh, those are the ones that I feel for the most, way, 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 way more than the pros. Billy asks, do you think the Penguins roster when fully healthy has what it takes to make a deep cup run in 2021? No. No. Um, I guess that would depend to some extent on your definition of deep. Uh, to me, deep is getting to the conference final. The Penguins could, with this group, get to the conference final because what you'd have to do is get out of your division, and they are currently a combined eight and four against the Capitals and Islanders, the two teams ahead of them in the East standings. But to me, it still feels like it would require an upset or, or Tristan Jari playing out of his mind, which has been a lot of what's happened when they faced the Capitals and Islanders. That's not to say that this is the set-in-stone prediction. Roster changes can still happen. Player performance can still rise up. If Genny Malkin showed that he looked like the star version of Gino right before he got hurt. So these things can change. But you're asking me right now, um, and, and my answer is no, and that it would require an upset. <clears throat> Pitfan asks, how do you have all the energy with all of the extra podcasting? Keep up the good work. Well, two answers to that. One is this. That is a triple shot in there. And the other is that this isn't work. Uh, this isn't the job. This stuff is easy. I have had subscribers to DK Pittsburgh Sports say, if you do all this podcasting, how are you going to write the columns? The columns are what, you know, were the foundation of creating the actual website. And my easy response to that, and anybody in this business would back me up on this, columns take way longer and way more effort. 
a lot more patience, uh, angst, fingernails chewed off, uh, pacing out in the hall, uh, splicing of videos, uh, researching through game video to make sure that you can support a point. Uh, if I'm going to rip Mark Jankowski as I did following the Penguins game the other day, I, I need to do my homework. I watched the game live. I know what I thought live, but I wanted to see some of these same plays again. So notes that I took during the game, uh, I get back home. We're not allowed to stay in the arena in Corona time. They come back home, open up the laptop and, and, and get to work. And in one case, one play that I had in my head criticized him for when I saw it live, when I saw it on here, I was like, eh, so you try to be as fair as possible. Uh, the column writing process probably consumes about from beginning to end, meaning getting into the arena to watching the game, to doing the interviews and everything else. It's probably about an eight or nine hour process. This is me coming down here, turning on the, the, the camera back there, flipping open the laptop and saying, hey, here's what Pit Fan has to say. And then I comment on it. This isn't work. This isn't work. This is just this is just fun. Shar uh, says, my son made me watch that documentary. I assume you're talking about the Valery Harlamov documentary. It was fantastic. Another good one was about the Russian penguins. Both were awesome. I have not seen that one. Jake says, Sudden Death is my favorite hockey doc. <laughs> if that was a hockey doc, then RIP Iceberg. <laughs> oh, man. Randy says, best hockey movie was Slapshot, of course. BGZ says, I see the Kasperi Kapanen trade looking better every single game he plays. Do you agree or disagree? Kasperi Kapanen is a is a really good talent. The, the trade itself is, you have no idea because you don't know what Toronto is going to end up getting out of the draft pick that they got. So I, I'd rather set aside the trade component there. You don't have to judge trades right that split second all the time. Um, if the Maple Leafs end up getting some you know, star player there, Maple Leafs win the trade. Uh, I love what Kapanen can do. I feel like that's something that the Penguins needed. They needed a top six winger who could fly. The fact that Jim Rutherford brought in a top six winger who has the finish, no pun intended, that Kapanen does, and is instantly the fastest player on your roster, faster even than Brian Rust, yeah, that's 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 pretty good. Daniel asks, what happened to the Warrior Alpaca socks ads in the podcast? That's a seasonal ad for us. And I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked because it shows that the reading of those socks ads was just so powerful, just embedded in your head. I could actually do that thing off the top of my head. But yeah, we we're looking forward to next winter and and, and having them back again. If you think about it, you're selling compression socks. You're not going to do that in the summertime. Mark asks, "What's the NFL players' opinion on the new shredded rubber fields? I imagine that stuff gets everywhere." Um. If it's not grass, they hate it. If you're Zach Banner, you really hate it. Uh, if you're Zach Banner and the several other players who got hurt in East Rutherford at MetLife Stadium, you also really, really hate it. Uh, football players want grass and dirt. 
they feel like grass and dirt, even if they're uneven or divots or whatever else here, that they have an honest twist and turn to them. They know how to brace their feet and their ankles and their knees for grass and dirt. And that matters. That matters a lot. Now, that's not to say that players don't get hurt uh, on grass as well or on the hybrid uh, fields as well. Bud Dupree was hurt right here at Heinz Field. And I, again, I don't know that that was surface-related. I've never heard that it is. I'm just throwing it out as an example. Players get hurt all over. But when you see a preponderance of players getting hurt at one place the way they were at MetLife Stadium, uh, that's troublesome. And, and that, that's the stuff that players complain about the most. John asks, do you anticipate the TJ Watt extension to come before camp starts? And do you think he'll be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL? I do not believe that he'll be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. I think that one of the conveniences that the Steelers have in Aaron Donald having signed his extension beforehand is that AD is right there kind of setting the bar for the league. Uh, and the Steelers have always maintained a stance that they don't look at the rest of the league for their bars. Uh, that was something that when Craig Patrick was the Penguins GM, my goodness, he used to make that case so passionately. You know, we're not anytime anybody would ask him, you, you see, look at this contract over here, and he'd be like, that doesn't even exist to us. Our contracts are set within our own framework right here as the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Steelers have done a lot of that. Uh, application themselves and i think you're going to see tj i don't know that it's going to be this summer uh but you hope that it is you know especially after the way this offseason has gone to date uh, you do have to make it work though within the current cap structure and um that's not going to be fun that's not going to be fun I'm looking down here at this list, and I see lots and lots of Stephen Nelson questions. He is just not that important. I, I'm telling you, I'm saying this in a general sense. Is Stephen Nelson, there's a at least a reasonable chance that the Steelers were happy enough with Justin Lane and his potential that they might just want Lane to be that guy, you know? I understand where the cap thing is, and I understand that if all things are being equal, you you keep Nelson, but let's not overplay him. He was not that good in 2020. He was in 2019. We have time for just a couple more. Liam asks, do you think Ron Hextall will be aggressive at the trade deadline to improve the bottom six? No, absolutely not. Here's why I answer it that way. You don't have to be aggressive to improve the bottom six. That's part of it. You don't have to wait till the deadline to improve the bottom six. Those guys are on waivers all the time. You can do this now. And now is when you need it because now is when you're doing all these devils and sabers and everything else. While you have guys injured, put these points in the bank. The best way to do that, the best way to do that is to shore up right now. Tyler asks, what would be your suggestion for the Penguins to generate more offense? Balance lines? No, no. Keep Sid's line together. Keep Sid's line together. Uh, I've thought about it. 
but then you start diluting everything and 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 nobody wants that nobody wants that jeffrey says it's being reported that nelson has been cut daniel says nelson was just released see this is the fun of doing this live okay bye <laughs> i mean i really I, I don't i don't have anything to say here about this i i don't have i wanted to see the defense kept intact as much as humanly possible i wanted to see the secondary kept intact but when you're getting into isolating on just one guy out of the players that they've lost, Bud Dupree, Tyson Alualu, Mike Hilton, even releasing Vince Williams, Nelson is fifth of five on that list. I'm not saying that to be mean. I just, I just believe that. Kyle says, hey, DK, can you explain the NHL's IR as opposed to the NFL's IR? Only if I want to lose everybody who will ever watch this again. So send that one to, uh, you know what, send that one to Taylor. She loves those questions. Mike says, is that a Santonio Holmes bobblehead? It is. It's Santonio actually making the catch in the end zone. You can almost picture the two or three Cardinals right behind him in the right corner of the end zone. I'll set him down here. All right, one more good one. One more good one. <laughs> Gary asks, will sports ever return to allowing reporters in the room, or did the organizations enjoy it this way too much? They'll have no choice. Um, the howl that would come up from... Not individual media members squawking, although that would happen too, and I would definitely be among them. It would be from the writers' associations that have, in some cases, really deep roots. And in particular, the Baseball Writers Association of America, which is the best organized, the most diligent, um, would, wow, I can't even picture what the BBWA reaction would be to that. Um, but we're bringing up a hypothetical here that we've been assured up, down, and sideways by, uh, I'm talking about our company, by each of the three Pittsburgh teams that when things are back to normal, things will be back to normal. But that's also, more importantly, come down from all of the member leagues in passionate tones from the commissioners, from the actual commissioners. So we have no reason to believe that is going to be the case. Eric says, thanks for thanks again for doing this. I look forward to it every day. I actually do too, Eric. Um, this is this is fun. As I said earlier, there's 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 work and then there's fun. This part is fun. Um, for anybody who came late, we do this every day at 1.30 p.m. Uh, every weekday. And you can watch it on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube as it happens. And then right after that, when it's done, as soon as I hit and broadcast on this screen, we'll put it together as a podcast and get it out onto all of our various podcasting platforms. If you are not listening to my daily shots uh, each day, I have one each on Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates. Give them a chance. Give them a chance. Uh, people like to complain around here about not having you know, not having a choice in sports radio or all the hot takery and everything else that goes on. I'm not saying that mine's better or worse or whatever, but I, I, 
I'd like to think that it's in my alley, you know, um, I, you know, I, I've done this job a certain way for a really long time in this city. Um, give it a chance. It's available on all podcasting platforms, whatever your preference is. And of course, make sure you check out all of our coverage on DK Pittsburgh sports. Thanks again for being, for being part of this.